You know the old saying, it's like riding a bike, right? It probably hadn't been that long since you heard it or maybe even used it. The saying, it's like riding a bike, is meant usually figuratively, although it does have literal implications, to mean that once you've learned how to do something, even when you step away from it for a long, long time, you can step back in and in a a matter of moments be ready to go. It's interesting, though, uh, riding a bike is a very unique skill that no matter your age or, for the most part, even what shape you're in, if you learned how to ride a bike when you were a kid, all of the internal balance, human gyroscope things that that go on in order to help you move forward on a two-wheeler, they're all still in there. You still know how to do them. If pressed into service in an emergency, you probably could ride a bike down the street. Now, today we have two scripture passages that have been alluded to already in worship. The Beatitudes from Matthew 5, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and Micah 6a, He has shown you what is good. And we're going to read them both. And in some way, they are like the riding of the bike of the Christian faith. This is what is basic. This is what is essential. This is what, when you come back to it, you come back to this. You come back to these things. And maybe when we stray from them, or when we pay attention to other things, we end up straying from these basic things. And we train ourselves to, to do, to be, to act, to live, to think something different. We think about those things, and among many, many others, as we turn to these scriptures. First, a reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. And then a word from the prophet Micah, chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. Hear now these readings of God's word. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And now from Micah 6. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, 
with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand rams or ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The full title of this morning's sermon is Blessed Are the Opposite. Now, I'm not sure why I didn't want to print that full title in the bulletin today. Maybe it was just the fog of busyness that has been the last few weeks. Maybe I was afraid if you saw the title, you would run out the back door. Surely it was something subconscious. And nevertheless, the title is Blessed Are the Opposite. Because in the very least, in both the Micah passage and in the Beatitudes passage from Matthew, that which is honored and praised and raised up and revered is in many, many ways the opposite of what is revered outside of these walls. Now I know you've heard this passage from Micah. Because it gets read in this room a lot. Our youth have read it to us several times in the last few years. It's a a simple three-verse mantra that is read, recited, and, and repeated. And the context of it is very simple. Oh, there are times where you can pull three verses randomly out of the Old Testament and make them say whatever it is you want them to say. But today, the, the context really is simple. The Lord has done so much for the people. The Lord has delivered them out of Israel, given them land, protected them, bestowed favor upon them. And now what does the Lord want back from them? Given all the investment that God made, does He want a proof of concept back? Is there a return on the investment that God wants? Does God need some giant military for Israel to train so that it's ready to crush any invading army? Does God want Israel to set up some powerful political structure that's prepared to stand on the scale and keep the balances only towards Israel itself? Does God want extravagant offerings that affirm the opulent wealth that has been provided to them? No. God doesn't want any of that. God has brought Israel to their land, given them all that has been given to them, and in response, all that God wants is the people to do justly, to act with justice on behalf of all people, to love mercy, to provide the mercy and the forgiveness to others that has been given to them, and to remember that It is those who are in positions of power and influence and authority who also have the power to provide mercy. And he wants them to walk humbly with God. God doesn't want them to embrace the shows of extravagance. God doesn't need the displays of opulence. God wants a humble relationship 
And God knows that what we need most is to walk humbly with Him at all times, in all ways, for all of our days. But when we compare these basic instructions with everything around us, it's kind of hard, isn't it? All around us, blessing and favor is often attributed to material wealth, political power, and social influence. The the movers, the shakers, the, the power players, they drive fancy cars, have opulent garments, and socialize in circles that, well, preachers don't get to hobnob in. And to that end, the goal of that existence is not necessarily to do justice, to walk humbly, to love mercy. The the goal of those structures outside of these walls is often to keep power, to consolidate resources, to look out for themselves, which is the opposite of what Micah is calling God's people to. And we have to at least ask ourselves, how does this rub us? Are we sometimes so good at doing church that it's easy in these rooms, in this room, to talk about doing justice, to talk about loving mercy, to talk about walking humbly with God, but outside the walls we're just like everyone and everything else? Are we any different? Do, do we have to get ours, take care of our own, protect our own? If we do one thing in here and something else out there, well, we're doing faith the wrong way. We may still be doing some version of some kind of faith, but, but it's a version of faith that leaves us ill-formed, ill-prepared, and unbalanced in relationship to how, how God wants us to be in relationship with Him. And remember I asked you if you remember, you know the phrase, like riding a bike? Well, we do that the wrong way. Let me explain. On the internet, there's a video of a guy riding what's called the backwards-brained bike. Backwards brain bike. Okay, three B's. You can look it up later today. I can text you a link if you need it. The backwards brain bike. And this guy, he's an engineer and he works somewhere and the welders in the, the shop that he works in take a, take a bike and they engineer the stem so that when he turns the, we, the handlebars this way the wheel turns that way. So he turns right, but the wheel goes left. Or he turns left, and the wheel goes right. And these guys in the shop, the the welders, they say, hey, why don't you try to ride this bike? This guy's in his late 20s. He's an engineer. He's got degrees. He, He knows how to ride a bike, and so he hops on it, and he can't move it three feet. He can't make it work. And this six, seven minute long video, um, goes on to, to, to reveal that it took him eight months of practicing every single day to learn how to ride this bike so that when he turns the, the, the handlebars to the right, it'll go to the left. And when he wants to go to the left, he's got to turn the handlebars 
to the right. It's the backwards brain bike. He has relearned how to ride a bike in a different way. Only then to go to Copenhagen, Denmark, where there are more bikes than people, to get onto a regular bike and be utterly unable to ride a bike the normal way. It takes him 20 minutes, 20 minutes of doing something he has known to do, how to do his whole life to re-get the balance correct. Now why do I bring this up? Because to me, what Micah wants is like riding a bike. It's the basics. But sometimes what's going on outside of these walls in the world around us that influences us the other six and a half days a week, that's asking us to ride the bike of faith in a different way. It's asking us to form our beings in a way that is different than Micah is guiding us when it comes to doing justice, loving mercy, and walking humbly with our God. And so we ask ourselves, which bike are we riding? In Matthew 5, Jesus gives his Sermon on the Mount. It's his first sermon that we know about. It's his best-known sermon. It's possibly his most ignored sermon also. We know these words. We hear them all the time. And we've actually known some of these to be very true for ourselves. Blessed are those who mourn. None of us go out to look for ways and reasons to mourn. Yet when you've been mourning, have you been blessed and supported and cared for by God through God's people? I think most of us would say yes. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for for righteousness. Have you gotten to a point in your life where you knew you wanted a deeper relationship with God? You've hungered and thirsted for a better experience with God. Only to realize that by diligently attending to that hunger, you have found that you were fed. That's how faith works. But some of the others are a little more difficult. Blessed are the poor in spirit. When you and I are poor in spirit, our default is to hide it. When we're not feeling it, when we don't have it, we want to pretend that we do. We want to cover up our inadequacy and we're tempted to judge those who are themselves inadequate. And maybe God is reminding us through this that the the poor in spirit are the ones that we must most look out for. We must most bless. We must best take care of. But honestly, all around us are systems and structures and people who are ready to push away those who are poor in spirit. Or what about the meek? What kind of patience level do we have for the meek? Do you have patience for the meek? Are you looking out for the meek? When we consider ourselves, our colleagues, the people we work with, our friends, our kids, the last thing we want is the meek. Stand up for yourself, we say. The flags and the stickers say, come and take it or don't tread on me. 
And I can't tell you how many parents have told me, I told my kid, if you get pushed, you've got to push back. In parenting, in business, in politics, all of the, the cutthroat nature of things imposes itself on our common life in ways that lead us not to appreciate the meek, but to see the meek as a threat. Yet blessed are the meek in Jesus' eyes, even when meek is the last thing we would want to be. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the persecuted. These are the ones that are blessed. And if we took truth serum and answered, if we wanted to be a merciful peacemaker or someone who is persecuted instead of persecuting, well, we might struggle with the answers. All of us might. Because nothing beyond these walls invites that sort of life. They, out there, won't, won't invite us to bring peace. They will want us to ride the backwards-brained bike, not the basic bike that God has given us. And so we need to remember the bike that the Lord gave us. We need to remember and, and to take to heart and to bring to light the Beatitudes and, and, and Micah 6 and, and be assured that blessed are the opposite of what everything else out there thinks. And blessed are we when we ride the bike that God gave us. When we sang that, that Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. And when we did also. This Christmas we got a new bike in our house. Finn, our four-year-old, asked Santa Claus for a bike. He had been practicing on what is called a balance bike. It's a little bike with wheels, no pedals, for about a year. Finn was, well, he was wide open on his balance bike. He had to have different shoes to ride his balance bike with because he would drag his toes to stop because he was going so fast. He learned how to steer and balance, and then on Christmas Day, he hopped on a two-wheeler with no training wheels, and in a matter of minutes, was pedaling around the driveway and up the street. Three Sundays ago, Finn and I went for a ride together, our first bike ride together, and when we got back to the driveway, I was the one who fell off the bike and had to take my bike to the shop, not him. If, if cycling is anything like faith, my prayer for him, just like my prayer for you and, and for me, is that those basics that he has learned, that he is learning, would never be forgotten. That he would remember and know and embrace who Jesus says is blessed. And that he and that we would provide the love and the grace and the hospitality around doing justice, loving mercy, and walking humbly. That we would be the ones who, whether we were feeling poor in spirit or not, or on the lookout for those who need to be blessed because they were. And in that way, we ride the bike the right way, not the backwards way. In that way, we ride the bike that Jesus gives us, not the opposite. 
I believe that in many ways the, the kind of faith we want to live is the kind that we learn first. But sometimes along the way we, we retrain ourselves to do something different. And when we do that, we settle for less because we settle for something else. This morning, I invite you to review or recall or remember Remember the bike of faith you were taught to ride first. Remember the, the promise of a, of a pathway to a deep and rich and meaningful filled life with the Lord. And use these passages to remind us who we are, whose we are, and who we are called to be. So that we don't do the opposite. We don't cover up the ways that God might work and we don't pretend we're someone we're not. Rather, we embrace, no matter who we are, the, the call of, and the, the gift of being beloved children of God. We are that and we can provide that for others. And my prayer is that today we will experience both. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for a church around us that supports us. We give you thanks for the blessings of your kingdom that is with us. We're thankful that we have experienced these instances in our lives when we have been blessed and healed and supported and loved. And we pray, Lord, that not only would we seek that again for ourselves, but also that we would be instruments of your love that does justice, that loves kindness and walks humbly with you so we might bless the meek, bless the poor in spirit, bless the peacemakers, and ride that bike of faith the way that you created us to ride it. Oh Lord, speak to our hearts, reveal where you want to move and, and grant us wisdom to see that and courage to step forward as we're led in this day and for each day that lies ahead. These, O oh Lord, are our prayers and we offer them in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.